Hello and welcome to the Maryland Democratic Party's podcast. It is a wonderful Friday afternoon in our state, and I'm on this podcast with some of the best Marylanders around. I'm Brandon Stoneberg, your state party comms director and podcast host here today for the third episode of season two. And we really set the bar high with our first two guests this season, Congressman Jamie Raskin and Congressman Hoyer, who we honored last night with an amazing gala. Uh, today, we bring in three guests who my co-host and I are really, really excited about to, ha- to have on the show. Uh, but first, allow me to introduce the best darn co-host around, the best party chair in the nation, Yvette Lewis. How are you feeling after last night's gala? Exhilarated because last night just reconfirmed that the Maryland Democratic Party is stronger than ever. We're excited. We're ready to continue to win because winning feels good. And we showed that last night with an 800 person plus uh, gala that w- that exceeded exceeded what I thought we were going to do. But today is just another opportunity for us to show what an inclusive and embracing party we are as we welcome uh, our three guests. I'm very excited about it. The Maryland Democratic Party, Democratic Party in general, we are a big tip. There's a place for everybody. And today we're going to show, as I said last night, when we pull up to the table, we don't bring a seat, we bring a bench. And our bench is very full. So let's get this party started with these wonderful guests today. Absolutely. Well, the five people here on the podcast today, we have we have young and we have younger right now on, the, on this podcast. Uh, two of the first Gen Z legislators in our state and across the country and a Maryland legend who belongs in the conversation among most influential and consequential leaders we've had in our state. Uh, Delegates Vogel, Martinez, McIntosh, it's an honor to have you guys here today. Welcome. Thank you. Delegate McIntosh. Thanks for having us. We're going to start with you. Uh, You spent time as an educator in Baltimore City. You campaigned uh, with Senator Mikulski, I believe, spent 30 years in the House of Delegates. You have an art fund, the Maggie McIntosh School Arts Fund in your name. Among other accomplishments, you're the first woman to be appointed majority leader in the House of Delegates, the first openly gay elected member of the Maryland General Assembly. The resume goes on and on. But if you could go back and tell that young Maggie sitting at, I believe, Wichita State University, that this would eventually be her journey or her resume, what would she say? You got to be kidding me. (laughs) I mean, you got to be kidding me. I don't think I ever dreamed it. And, And that's something actually that you know, I've had people ask me, did you like dream this, plot this out? Did you like, the answer is no, I didn't. But what I did was move to Baltimore with my family. They had preceded me and I got involved in democratic politics in Baltimore. Uh, I got involved with Mary Pat Clark's first uh, campaign, got involved with Senator Mikulski's campaigns. And then I began to dream about maybe I could make a difference too. And as we mentioned, your time in the state house, you were in the room in so many monumental conversations that's happened there on the floor. Uh, we could do an entire episode or series just on some of the bills that you were a part of. But it's Pride Month here in June, so we want to take we want to ask specifically about the progress you've seen in our state on LGBTQ plus rights. What are the biggest changes you've seen in your time, and, and where is there still room for growth here in Maryland? Yeah, I I am uh, so proud to have been in the house during the time that we passed several bills that began to help, um, you know, partners, partnerships, and then finally marriage. And I watched uh, in front of me that evolved. It was, if you ask me at any time and on any podcast about any subject, what was the most important bill you witnessed in your time in the House of Delegates, it will be marriage. And, um, uh, you know, we did that uh, with a whole village of people who really helped um, you know, 
the Speaker of the House um, at that time, Michael Bush, and the Governor Martin O'Malley, who got behind this bill, and you know somebody on the Senate side that I always want to call out, which is at that time Senator Rich Manolino, who played a very key role on the Senate side. Uh, but you know, and and since then, this House, this legislature has gone on to continue to protect LGBTQ people. And this year, you know, with the, uh, I think, landmark bill that helps, you know, um, folks who are transitioning or uh, uh, be able to get and apply for uh, Medicaid in the state and and use uh, state funds uh, to do the, the needed uh, services that they have. Uh, to make sure that their gender identity is in line with who they are. I'm glad you brought up that legislation that I was going to bring that up next, actually. You know, Delegate Martinez, I'm coming to you here. You might be new to the General Assembly, but this is by no means your first rodeo uh, in, in Maryland. You've been involved in policy and public service since you were a young teen. Uh, you actually spoke out in support of the Trans Health Equity Act, I believe, before you were even sworn in uh, as a delegate. Why was that bill specifically important in your eyes? And what's the next step in that fight? Well, I just want to thank you guys for creating this platform and the space for us to share all of our varied lived experiences being within the LGBTQ, but also being Maryland Dems. Um, for me, the Trans Health Equity Act was so important because it's simple. We know that gender affirming care is suicide prevention. We know that gender dysphoria is something that is plaguing a lot of people and not providing some of the most vulnerable here in the state with the tools and access to healthcare would have been a shame. And so I'm really proud that I was able to cast my vote in support of this. I'm very proud that the governor we have in the, in the governor's mansion is a Democrat and he's willing to support this type of measure. And then went a step further uh, during Pride Month and signed an executive order making Maryland a safe haven for trans folks seeking care, but also for the providers. It was a shielding executive order similar to what we have been able to do with abortion. Uh, it's so important that we send very clear messages around who we are as Marylanders, but particularly as Democrats, to show a contrast of the narrative that's coming across state houses across the country. There is a clear, heavy-handed effort in almost every Republican state to show that they are not welcoming, that they will not protect LGBTQ folks, and that we are on the front lines of the issues that they want to plague out every single day. And so Maryland is showing that we are on a different page and a different chapter. And I'm just so extremely proud of that work. Absolutely. You you spoke directly to one of my questions I have later on for you guys. The ACLU actually has a, a tracker and they have in the last six months, I believe, more than 490 uh, anti-LGBTQ bills have been introduced across state legislators across the country. Uh, I'll, we'll get into that in here in, in a second. But Delegate Vogel, I want to bring you into the conversation for our listeners, if they're unaware, you're you're 26, you're trilingual, the first Uruguayan American elected to a state legislature, if my research there is correct. Uh, you volunteered on a 2012 Obama campaign and then the 2014 state Senate campaign of Scrabble legend and friend of the podcast, Cheryl Kagan. Uh, you interned for both Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and, you know, ho-hum also have a master's in policy, public policy from Harvard, just a real, a real light resume there. Uh, so for as your own journey to the state house, has there been a moment that kind of hit you like, wow, this is a groundbreaking, you know, journey and, and it's really, really happening to me. Is there like a wow moment or when you first got there? Well, look, I, I really think it was, first of all, thank you for having me. This is so exciting and, and what a great event that we had last night. Uh, your your team is just phenomenal and 
And I think it's important to remember, you know, especially in Pride Month, uh, that, that this is the party uh, that is fighting for our LGBTQ plus community. Uh, and I got to say, you know, the, that wow moment uh, was the first time that I stepped onto the House floor. And, uh, you know, I see uh, Delegate McIntosh here today uh, and recognizing the progress that was made in that body uh, for uh, not just the rights of, of, of LGBTQ plus Marylanders, uh, but we really set the tone uh, with, with the legalization of same-sex marriage here. Uh, we set the tone for the entire country. Uh, so to be sitting in that chamber now every day uh, in close proximity um, to some of the folks who are still there, who are part of that fight, uh, is just a, a remarkable honor for me. Absolutely. And now I want, I want to touch more on what Delegate Martinez has been talking about. So this is a question for all three of you. We're, we can start with Delegate McIntosh. Violence against the, the LGBTQ community has been at a high, as we talked about. Uh, in the past six months, you know, the 490 anti-bills you know bills have been introduced in different state legislatures, targeting specifically trans use access to health care, the right to perform drag, and banning discussions about gender identity or, or sexuality. President Biden recently called these restrictions cruel and callous. Uh, where would you say Maryland stands in this battle nationwide, and and what message should we be sending to the children of those states trying to restrict their rights? Well, uh, I'm glad you asked this question, and it's timely, and unfortunately, I'm going to tell you uh, in just a moment. First of all, um, you know, it is a very troubling time, uh, especially for young people in America, uh, and um one of the things I'm so proud of uh, is that our governor, a Democrat, has said that Maryland will be a sanctuary uh, for everyone who is LGBTQ plus. And I am so just thrilled that he made that uh, affirmative statement. And the reason I'm kind of, uh, you know, emotional and upset about this at this moment uh, is that, you know, we're going to have in Baltimore a pride uh, fundraiser for the Democratic Party, because it is our party that has been carrying uh, the the policy areas for uh, people in our community. Uh, and because the, you know, the flyer went out, had the address of where our pride gala party is going to be, uh, that neighborhood got leafleted with the hate flyers that we have been seeing in Baltimore County and uh, in Carroll County and other parts of the city. So right now today, the mayor, the police, even the FBI uh, are beginning to worry about the flyers that they've seen that are anti-gay, anti-woman, anti-Jewish. And they're appearing in a lot of neighborhoods uh, across this region. Uh, this is just unheard of. Uh, for decades, we have not had this kind of hate. And so uh, I'm pleased to be on this podcast, pleased to be raising money for the Democratic Party, uh, because we have to speak up and confront that hate. Absolutely. Delegate Vogel, swing it to you next for the same question. You know, where do, where do we stand in terms of, you know, in comparison to other states? And, and what message should we be sending to, to the, the children where, who live in some of these states where they're, they're getting their rights restricted? Look, I think it's important for us to ask ourselves why the far right Republicans here in Maryland and across the country are, are spearheading these attacks. It's because they don't have answers to the challenges that we are facing. 
They, they don't have the answers to our economy. They don't have the answers uh, to our housing challenges. They don't have the answers to our social security challenges. They don't have the answers to our, to our housing or transportation challenges. They don't have the real solutions to the problems that we face. So what do they do to, to, to drive up turnout and rile their base? They attack the most vulnerable amongst us. You know, here in Maryland, there were bills in our state house uh, seeking to, attra- to, to attack uh, trans kids, some of the most vulnerable communities in our state. You look at the, the suicide attempt rates for LGBTQ plus youth, close to or over 50%, and that's what they choose to focus on, right? They've sponsored, a, a, the, one of my, one of my uh, Republican colleagues in the state house sponsored legislation uh, to ban transgender kids from playing uh, middle school sports. Uh, and, and I was asked on the way in there by a reporter uh, whether I thought the bill would, would would move or pass. And I looked in the camera and I said, absolutely not, not here in Maryland. And that next day, uh, we moved unfavorable on that legislation, which we rarely do. We voted down that bill and sent a clear message to trans kids all across the state that that hate has absolutely no place in the state of Maryland. Absolutely. That was going to lead into my next question. Delia Martinez, I was going to swing it to you. How do we empower and protect our kids here in Maryland? We've seen what other states are doing. How do we protect our kids here? I think it's by doing what we already are, you know, focused on. I think the governor's executive order is a great step. I think the next step is taking, you know, the next legislative session to codify that executive order into law to send a very clear message to the LGBTQ community, not only just here in Maryland, but across the country, that Maryland welcomes you. That Maryland is a safe space for all of your families. And to Joel's point, you know, the other side of this conversation is really trying to appeal to the most hateful and ugly parts of America. And instead of working with us on policies that will help uplift working families and really push towards progress, they rather push towards fear. And I think we continue to push towards our message of progress, continue to fight for the families that we know uh, need us the most. I think that's how we win. And ultimately send a message to the young folks that yes, there is a fight, but know that you have champions. Know that you have fighters in the ring, making sure that your issues are uh, at the forefront of what we discuss and what we fight for, and that you will always be protected. One of the things that I think that we do here very well in Maryland is we make everything normal. We make this normal and accepted so that people can no longer attach fear and demagoguery or any of these outlandish attributes to that which is normal. And I think that we do that in the legislature and we do that just in the community at large. And I think the more that we can do that, the more that we can get the armed forces of community activists to tamp this down and eradicate it from our state completely. I think you saw that we we made statements as a as a party, but I think you saw last year, and I think it was Carroll County. They tried to ban uh, pride flags in, in their schools. I think Anne Arundel tried to to, to do something similar, and and like the, the letters we were t- uh, Delegate McIntosh brought up. The frustrating part is, uh, you know, Delegate Vilgo talked about how they they attack the the fears or the the most vulnerable communities. They do it under the guise of we're doing this for religion or we're doing this to keep politics here or there. It's it. To do it under the guise of that is it's 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 nothing less than cowardly and it's, and it's and it's disgusting. So that I think that's one of the most frustrating parts, especially when they when they start involving you know the, the schools in Carroll County. That was that was something to really really upset us last year. Um, now my next question was for all three of you again. You guys have all come up in the community and all gone into public service. What message or advice would you have for a young person in the LGBTQ community who sees a path for themselves in public service? What challenges will they face in the next decade? And where 
do you think they can make the biggest impact? Delegate Vogel, I want to start with you on this one. Yeah, and I just want to quickly touch on something that you, you just said earlier. Um, you know, what, one of the, the guys that they're using now to advance some of these attacks uh, is, is about the innocence of children, right? Uh, when I think about that, right, you know what the leading cause of death is for children in the United States of America right now? It's gun violence, right? And they're not talking about guns. They're talking about drag queens. And I, I want you to show me any, any statistics, any numbers that show that drag queens are a bigger threat to the innocence of youth than gun violence. Right. Uh, so that, that I'm just, I'm so passionate about this. I'm sorry, but, um, look on, on, on young people in our state, I think it's so important for them to have leaders, uh, in our government that they can look to, you know, growing up, I remember looking at, you know, leaders like delegate McIntosh or, um, uh, Senator Madalino, right. People who, who really, uh, led the way blazed a trail, uh, for all of us. And I think we now have. Um, a growing LGBTQ caucus in um, in in the state legislature uh, that that I'm so proud to be a part of uh, that really looks like our state and that represents every corner uh, of our state. I, I think Delegate Martinez, right? You're you're the first openly gay uh, delegate from Prince George's County, right? I mean, this is we we are we are continuing to blaze that trail and make sure that every person in our community feels uh, seen and feels like they belong in our in our democracy. Absolutely. Delegate Martinez, I'll, I'll come to you next with the, with the same question. What message or advice would you have for a young person in this community coming up and with a path for themselves in public service? What challenges will they face? Where can make the, the biggest impact? You know, I, I think this is the advice I give to anybody interested in public service and getting involved. I think 50% of this work is just showing up. So as you continue to get involved, just continue to show up for your community continue to go to the meetings, continue to learn the issues, talk to your neighbors, and really understand what it is that you wanna do within this. There's a lot of different paths and being in the front is not for everybody, right? But do a little bit of everything and figure out what you want. Um, you know, I was sworn in um, almost 120 days ago to the General Assembly and in my speech, I said to the LGBTQ community, you are seen, you are loved, and there's a place for you here in the Maryland House of Delegates. And I think representation really does matter. Being the first openly gay member of the Prince George's County Annapolis delegation period matters. You know, Crystal Orietta is the first openly gay council member in Prince George's County Council. Her being there matters. Joe being there matters. Maggie still being here matters. And so I think opportunities like this so we can highlight the diversity within our party and let people know that there is a place for them here in the Democratic Party, uh, and there's a place for them in leadership here in Maryland, I think is how we continue to grow our, our, our tent and continue to grow our party. Yeah, that's very well said. Maggie, we'll come, we'll come to you next. Yeah, I think what we're doing today matters uh, because uh, this keeps our party open and accepting, and it lets people uh, in our community who may want to run or serve uh, on a, everything from a school board to city councils, county councils to uh, the legislature. It gives them hope. And I also think that all of us uh, who either have served or are serving in the legislature and in uh, elected positions across the state need to make sure that we are we are free to talk to people that we make time to talk to people uh, and we make time to nurture people who um, are uh, in our community and interest 
have an interest in, in service. I think one of the things we also have to do, we have to become validators. We have to become validators for that community so that mm -hmm. we step out in front to say, yes, we are accepting. Sometimes people just need to have someone that they know and that they trust to say, this, these are my experiences. These are my relationships. And sometimes that opens the door a lot more than you could possibly imagine. So don't be afraid to step out and be a validator for this community. Right. Absolutely. And if I can just add one thing, I, I really think it's time for Maryland to elect a transgender uh, member of the legislature. That is one frontier that we have we have yet to cross. And, and, and I think we need to do our part to make sure that that, that happens in, in the upcoming election. Absolutely. I had asked like what the what one of the next steps could be. And, and that's like you said, a, a frontier that there there aren't. Well, I think we're probably ahead of the curve in, in some relations to compared to other states. But that, that's one frontier, like you mentioned, that we just have not we have not hit yet. My the next questions, guys, we're, we're going to loosen up and have some rapid fire questions for you that some of these are tough. Some of these are, are easy. Uh, so we're going to start with uh, Ashanti, then Joe and then Maggie on this one. Ravens or commanders? Oh, commanders. Absolutely. Go ahead, Joe. Ooh, ravens, ravens. Thank you, Maggie. Joe, you're I'm the I'm going to go with Ravens for this one. Perfect. If you could have lunch, beer, coffee with one of the first 40 presidents, so none of the none of the recent ones, who would you choose? Maggie, we'll start with you. Well, I was going to say Eleanor Roosevelt, but I guess that won't count. But uh, I would, uh, I would say her husband. Okay, Joe, how about you? I was going to say Hillary Clinton, but. I guess I'll go with John F. Kennedy. Mm, good. Ashanti? Just not to repeat other people's questions, other people's answers, I'll say Lincoln. I feel like that would be a very interesting conversation because someone that looks like me from my background shouldn't be where I am. And so I think he'll have a lot more questions than I would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, good. Ashanti, we're going to stay with you and start with you again here. Favorite place to visit or get away to in the state of Maryland outside of your district? Ooh, good question. So favorite place to go outside of my district would definitely have to be the National Harbor. Um, I honestly don't get around the state as much as I should, um, but the National Harbor is an amazing place in Prince George's. I advise everyone to come visit. Maggie, how about you? NCR Trail, uh, which is a bike walking trail, uh, Baltimore County up to the Pennsylvania and past the Pennsylvania line. Joe, you're up. Uh, the Agriculture Reserve, Montgomery County, the farms and vineyards up there are beautiful. Oh, I've not been there. Uh, Joe, we're going to stick with you and start with you on this one. Best food spot in your district? Uh, La Limena is a Peruvian spot uh, in Rockville. Uh, I absolutely love it. Okay. Ashanti? Franklin's. It's a brewery. It's a general store, and they're opening up an ice cream shop very soon. It's right on Route 1. Mike Franklin is a good friend and supporter. Please go and support Franklin's. Amici's. Yes. And uh, Little Italy. I had Amici's last week. Oh, now, uh, I'm, now, see? Now, now I'm hungry again. Yeah. Right, Maggie, we're going to start with you. We're going to swing it back around. Maggie, then Ashanti, then Joe. Who's the biggest influence in your life? Uh, I think uh, absolutely my mother, uh, who just, you know, raised me right and uh, uh, was uh, a good Democrat, very open uh to uh the democratic principles and that this country this state is founded on ashanti yeah, i would have to say 
I would have to say my mom as well. Um, she's always been my biggest advocate. A uh, fan has always taught me what unconditional love really looks like. Um, and has always taught me to be my own person, row my own boat. Uh, but in terms of political influencers, it would have to be Elijah Cummings. That's a good one. Go ahead, Joe. Finish this one off for us. Uh, definitely my grandparents. Uh, they were children of refugees who escaped Eastern Europe before the Holocaust, sought refuge in Uruguay. Uh, they all had to drop out of school before uh, middle school or high school, some. Um, and, you know, really created opportunity for themselves, started a business, uh, grew that business and, and provided more opportunities to my parents that eventually led them here uh, to the United States. And, and that's what, why I am where I am today. Uh, the next one I have for you is we'll start with Maggie. Last show you got to binge watch. Last show. I, oh, uh, binge watch uh, Succession. Oh, that's a good one. Joe, how about you? <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think of what I God, I need to watch more TV. Um, I'm I, I'm I'm halfway through succe succession, so I'll say succession, but I haven't I, I, I have yet to finish it. Okay, Ashanti. Abbott Elementary. I'm obsessed with the show. I just can't watch it in real time. So anytime I can watch a series of episodes, I, I'm so happy. Right. All right. This the, this is the last one. This is my fa personal favorite one. Ashanti, we're gonna put you in the spot first. Give me your Mount Rushmore Maryland politicians. Your favorite four Maryland politicians of all time. Oh, that's easy. So be Elijah Cummings. It would be Cindy Hoyer. You would have Gloria Lala. I would also add to the mix um, Jocelyn Pena Melanick. And then I think the last space if I can only pick five. Um, ooh, ooh, the name that I want to pick. This last one's going to kill me. Um, Jamie Raskin. Okay. We've heard we've heard Raskin a few times. Hoyer's been a popular answer. Uh, Glory Law is a good one. I don't know if we've heard that one too many times, Yvette, but that that's a really that's a really good under the radar one. Uh, Joe, we'll go to you, and then we'll we'll have Maggie wrap it up for us. Hey, I'm going to do Congressman Jamie Raskin, uh, Senator Mikulski, uh, Senator Cardin. Um, Speaker Adrian Jones, come on. Um, uh, Governor Westmore gets a shout out there as well. And, and because she's joining us today, Delegate Mag Maggie McIntosh. Uh, thank you. Uh, Not just because she's joining us, but also because she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You know, I have to start with Senator Mikulski. I do. Uh, you know, she, uh, she hired me and sent me off to the House of uh delegates um i do have to uh take my hat off too to uh you know elijah cummings um anyone from baltimore anybody who served with him in the house saw his strength and his talent um i will say mike bush michael bush uh who um you know served as the uh longest speaker in the house and has just just did a terrific job. I'm going to add Adrian Jones because I do think the current speaker is, as she's historic in nature, and she really came in and has done an awesome job. I mean, in terms of policy, so on and so forth. So you all are very lucky to serve under her uh, and to, uh, you know, help move really progressive pieces of policy along now i have to pick another one too um i uh um uh, that's hard um the last one's hard 
but I think um, I think Rich Manolino is um, the, uh, the last one I'm going to name. When he was the senator, and we did not have anyone on the Senate side uh, in quote leadership necessarily. I mean, we had Jamie and others, but it is absolutely uh, Senator Madalino who delivered the Senate vote for same-sex marriage. I'm, I'm very happy that Speaker Jones got some uh, some love in that answer. I was a chief of staff in the General Assembly before I came to the Democratic Party here, and and one of my favorite parts of the job was seeing her command a room, uh, especially when the Republicans got a little disrespectful toward the end of the session when everyone's a little irritable and tired. Uh, so right. seeing her put them in a place is always always good to see. Uh, also happy that uh, Senator McCausey got a shout out. She's I think she's a dream guest of ours here on, on the podcast. Yvette. We got to get try to see if she she join us at some point. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. But we want to thank you guys so much for for joining us for that really, really uh, enlightening conversation. That was an incredible show. Some of our favorite Marylanders here. We hope everyone enjoyed it. Please tell your friends, subscribe, and leave a review. More importantly, stay informed, uh, stay in the room, keep working, keep grinding. Thank you guys. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.